Welcome to Hope Community Church's Sermon of the Week. It's our prayer that this message will encourage and equip you to love like Jesus. To learn more about Hope, visit us at hccalive.com. Now enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to worship with you today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jed. I'm one of the pastors here. You may not recognize me because I shaved since the last time I preached And if you're starting to wonder, I feel like I've heard this before. That was because last week, one of our elders, Joshua Meyer, preached and he had begun the service talking about how you may not recognize him because he now had a beard and the last time he preached, he didn't. And I have to confess to you, in that moment, I like to clean shave my face every once in a while. My wife, on the other hand, she does not like it. And in that moment, my mind began to wander just slightly for a few minutes. And I thought, I wonder if my wife will give me the okay to shave if I use it to make a connection into last week's sermon. And I, I know that's probably foreign to you because you don't know what it's like for your mind to wander during a sermon, but that's what happened to me in just that moment. And so I talked to her And together, we made an executive decision that she was going to let me shave my face. And then I thought, that's fantastic. Uh, I had a couple of my kids see me. They they wondered who I was, who's, who's that in our house. And then I thought, I wonder how long she'll let me keep my face clean shaved. And so later this week, together, we'll make another executive decision on how long I get to be clean shaved. And she'll let me know what that is later. But I do want to tell you, if you missed last week's service the sermon and the music. I do want to encourage you to go back and watch that. It was awesome. It was just a great time of worship. And I I thought about this morning how to intro the power of praise. How, How can we put that in perspective? And one of the things I thought of was one of our elders, Steve Ford, he will sometimes bring up at an elder prayer meeting, he'll say, hey guys, let me ask you a question. What if we only had today the things that we thanked God for yesterday. And in that moment, usually we kind of think for a second, we're like, well, we'd have a few less things, wouldn't we? What if today you only had the things that you thanked God for all last week? What would we have today? Would you have a spouse? Did you thank God for your spouse last week? Would you have kids? Would you have a home? Would you have a vehicle? Would you have food. And I don't say that to begin this sermon with, "Uh uh-oh, now I'm already feeling bad for not being better at praising God. I actually say that to begin the sermon by saying, what if we refocus our attention to learn how to continue to get better at praising God? You see, there's power in praise. There's power in our ability to learn how to praise. The things that we thank God for or the things that we're thankful for have a way of pulling us. They have a way of not only capturing our thoughts, but they have a way of drawing us in. In Psalm 146, the psalm that we're going to look at today, there is a contrast, a compare and contrast rather, to how we can praise God, we're drawn into relationship with God, versus praising the things of this world. That That makes a lot of sense because we often are drawn away from God by the busyness of what happens in the day-to-day, by the demands that are placed on us each day. So there's this contrast. 
which will we praise? Will we praise God? Well, of course, it's a Sunday morning and we're going to say yes. Or will we praise the things of this world? And it's one thing to be thankful and praise God now on a Sunday morning. But what happens throughout the week? This psalm lays out for us that when we praise God, we receive power through praising God, that happens first by making a commitment to praise God. Psalm 146, beginning in verse 1, it says this, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. I love the way it begins. There's actually a declaration that's made. The psalmist begins by saying this, I will, I choose, I will praise God. I will praise God regardless of the circumstances. I will praise God despite whatever situation I may, I may be in. And, and I'm asking the rhetorical question, do our circumstances change the way that we praise God? When our situation in life is difficult, does that change how we praise God? When things are going really, really well and everything's falling in, into place, the job's going great, the marriage is good, the family's good, everything is going good, does that change how we praise God? Most of us would say yes. I mean, I would even say yes, certainly. When things are going really good, I'm like, God, thank you so much. And when things are not going so good, it's not easy for me to be like, oh, God, thank you so much. If I am saying that, it might be a little bit sarcastic, right? Like, I'm like, oh, thanks, Lord. But it's choosing to thank God. So our circumstances may impact how we praise God, our commitment to praising him. But I'd also say this, our commitment to praising him impacts our circumstances. You see, whatever it is that we focus on changes our perspective. When we choose to thank God despite difficulty or, or, or uh, painful situations or times when we're feeling just pain for someone or because of circumstances, when we choose to praise him and we make that commitment, that suddenly brings those other situations into a different focus, into a different alignment. The psalmist here makes a personal decision. He says, I will praise you. I will praise you. And what I appreciate about the psalmist saying that and making it a personal decision is he's saying regardless of the other circumstances, regardless of what other people choose to do, I will praise you. I will praise you. And as we praise God, it continues to align our hearts to him. I think of how we just got done doing that for the last 20 minutes or so. As we've praised God, singing songs of worship, and now as we worship him through his word, it continues to realign our focus on him. But what we do is we make a commitment to praise him. It's easy for our commitment to waver. It's easy. That's normal for us as we follow Jesus, for our commitment to waver, but it doesn't have to. Our commitment to him doesn't have to waver. We can choose to praise him irregardless of the circumstances. We can choose to say, God, I'm gonna thank you despite the circumstances. This is what the psalmist is saying. In fact, he says, let all that I am, let all that I am and all of me praise you, God. Whether life is good, or whether life is hard, 
wherever the, the psalmist is in this set of circumstances, they say, I'm going to choose to praise you. You see, when we can make that commitment to praise God, to be thankful to him, he continues to draw us toward himself, but we receive a power, the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and then living through us. We, we receive it, we experience it through praise. That's why the Bible tells us there are times we can actually quench the power of the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Spirit of God through sin. We can quench the Spirit of God through disobedience. But the psalmist is saying, I'm choosing to praise you, and he's receiving that power. When we commit to praising God, we experience power to do several different things. Let me give you some examples. We experience power to overcome criticism and complaining. When we choose to thank God, even if people are around us are complaining or criticizing, we have power to overcome that. But even in our hearts, in our lives, when we're finding ourselves in this rut, where everything is, is complaint, we're complaining about everything, or we're criticizing everything and everyone, if we choose to commit to praising God, we, we have the power to overcome that. We have the, the power to overcome uh, the, the sense of wanting to compete with other people. Not only compete, but comparing ourselves with them. One of the things that I've learned in counseling over the years as I've received counseling over the years is it's easy for me to compare myself to other people. That, that's normal for me. That doesn't mean it's okay. I'm not justifying that. I'm saying it, it's something that I've experienced. And what I've learned is that when I'm comparing myself to other people, I'm either delighting in them because they're better at it than me and I'm devouring myself or I'm devouring them and I'm delighting in myself because I'm better at it than them. And, I, and I'm seeing that that's not what God designed us for. He's designed us to praise him and see the way that every person is created uniquely in the image of God. When we feel that complaining or we feel that competing or we feel that being aroused within us, the best thing we can do is make a commitment to praise God. And when we do, we experience the power of God. We also experience the power of God to be grateful. I think of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where the Bible tells us to give thanks always because in every circumstance, God is in control. There's never a time or there's never a moment in our lives where God is not in control. It may feel like it, though. It may feel like at times God is not in control because if God loves us, which is what we're reminded of every single week on a Sunday or when we read the scriptures, we're reminded God is for me. He loves me. So why would he allow all of these bad things to happen? Or how could these bad things happen to people that I love? But we're reminded we can give thanks always because this is the will of God. Or I think of Romans 8.28. This is our family verse where God reminds us that he's working all things together for his good and his glory. God works all things together. When we make a commitment, this is what the psalmist does, makes the commitment, I will praise you. Then we can embrace the truth that God works all things together for his good 
and his glory. That doesn't mean that everything that we experience or process or work through is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that it's going to feel good. I, I wish it did. And if it did, we would find it easier to make a commitment to him. But when we trust God, when we praise him, we experience the ability to have power to trust him. Not only do we have commitment, or that what's required is commitment to God, but we also receive clarity. The psalm continues, and, and I talked earlier about how there's this contrast between trusting and praising God or looking to other people and praising them. Here's what the psalmist says in verse 3. It says, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and on that very day, his plans perish. The psalmist is saying, if you choose to trust in people, the very moment that person dies, their plans perish with them. But when we choose to trust in God, God's plan doesn't perish the moment that we die. When our lives come to an end, his plans do not perish. Our part in that may be gone. But that's why the Bible talks about we sow seeds and we water seeds and we invest into the kingdom. The work that God uses our lives to, to fulfill, that doesn't end. That doesn't end the moment that we die, but there's this comparing and contrast. And the psalmist is saying, hey, what we need to do is clearly see the value in praising God. Over the last couple of years, as I've continued to get a little bit older, some of the people that were celebrities and icons just 30, 40, or 50 years ago have, have continued to pass away. That's what happens when people age out, right? Eventually, they enter glory or they enter uh, eternal damnation apart from God. There's no in-between. And so as people have continued to die, I think of uh, how their songs have impacted me over the years. I think of maybe some of the shows or the movies that they were in, and I'm like, man, I can't believe that person passed away. But as I think that, I'm like, my kids don't even know that songwriter. My kids don't even know that, that movie star. They don't even know that actor. And, and I'm like, those are the people that had influence in my life when I was younger. And today, it's easy to compare that in the culture as as there's influencers trying to tell us what to buy, when to buy it, how to live, in 20, 30, 40 years, nobody's even going to remember them. They may even be alive, but nobody's going to remember them. And that's why the Bible's saying what our focus ought to be is praising God. And as we do that, we experience a clarity. We experience clarity as we praise him. I love the way that the psalmist says, I'm not going to put my trust I'm not going to put my trust in the people that the world may look up to. I'm going to put my trust in God. It makes me think of the phrase that my wife has taught our kids, and that phrase is, not for me. The psalmist is, is pressured into, of course, just like all of us, he's pressured into, or they're pressured into, trusting other people of influence, and they just simply say, not for me, in today's vernacular. Our kids were taught that phrase because over the years, we'd get invited to people's houses. And, and as you know, when you go to someone's house or you have people over, sometimes you serve food that maybe you have never seen before 
or maybe the person that you're serving has never seen before. And, and you know that as an adult, when somebody is, uh, sees the food that you've prepared and their response is, oh, I don't really like that, that can be a little bit hurtful, right? So I'm still in training. My wife is working with me. Our kids, they've been much quicker to learn. But when they're, whenever they're, something's put in front of them and they see it and they're like, yikes, they just say, oh, that's not for me, not for me. It's just a, a more polite way of saying, no, thank you. Every once in a while, I'll push and I'll put a little bit of that on their plate. Probably it's a little bit of the provoker in me. Probably it's a little bit of me wanting them to try it because I like it. And they'll graciously take one bite. And they're like, not for me. And people are much more willing to understand that. And I think of how the psalmist is saying, not for me. I'm not going to trust in people of leadership or people of influence that will lead me away from God. That's not for me. Because I know the outcome of that. I know that whenever they pass away, their plans will perish. They're, they're and their influence will come to an end. I love the clarity that the scriptures provide. I think even of how we as a congregation, we have chosen to really press toward God. And we've, we've asked this question. Many of you have been a part of, of praying into this. As the elders, the staff, and other people who are in positions of leadership, we've prayed into this question. God, what is your plan? What is your purpose for hope. This is your church. She's your bride. What is your purpose for hope? And as we've pressed into that, as we've sought God's clarity, it's been overwhelming the way that he's led us to this conclusion. His plan, his purpose for this congregation is that we would love people the way that Jesus loves people. That's what he calls us to do. Love people like Jesus. That's radically different than the world. The world around us is constantly telling us that you be nice to those who are nice to you. The world around us is constantly telling us that we're good to be, be good to people that are good to you. But that's not what Jesus models, right? Jesus models that we're to love people. We're to have compassion toward them and for them. We're to care about them whether they care about us or not. His life was radically different. And as we've pressed toward that saying, okay, God, we know that our focus is to love people like Jesus. Show us how to do that. And the first step in that is to know God. Because as we know him, as we understand his character and his nature toward us, that first impacts our lives. And as it impacts our lives, it impacts those who are around us. That doesn't happen naturally. It's not normal for us to be constantly thinking about the needs of other people, but that's a work of God. So we know God, but then we grow in freedom. We understand what the scriptures teach. We don't have to live in guilt and shame. We don't have to constantly be battling those things. I sometimes will, will ask the rhetorical question. I'll say, we know that the scriptures teach us to take every thought captive, but what happens when our thoughts take us captive? That happens, doesn't it? Where, where sometimes we get stuck in our own head and the thoughts that we have, the thoughts that we entertain, they just continue to take us captive. What we've learned is as we love like Jesus, we know God, but then we grow in freedom. We don't have to allow our thoughts to take us captive, but we take every thought captive as we follow God. And then, because of the work that God does in us and through us, he's changing our lives. We are able to go and change the world. That's the mission of Hope 
church. That's the mission that we're a part of. And it isn't that other missions aren't as good. This, this is what God's called us to. I think every church is unique. I think every church may have passions that pull it, and they should. But one of the things that I think about is even this morning, as I walked through the sanctuary, I touched every chair and prayed for every single person that would come here today. I was also praying for the other pastors in the community. And I'm like, God, it isn't just about what we do here. It's about other churches reaching people for Jesus. That's, that's the goal, right? That's the desire, is that this community would be impacted for the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we continue to praise God and we're committed to him, we experience clarity. That's exactly what's happening here at Hope. And collectively and corporately, every single week, we get to be a part of that together. I can't tell you how many times over the last couple of years I've had people come up to me and say, you know what, we, we are moving to the area. We don't have a job yet, but we feel like we sense God is leading us to move to the area. And I think back every time I hear it. I think back to what Pastor Jesse told me almost 10 years ago whenever I came down to, to Manitowoc. He said, Jed, you know, a lot of people move to different communities. They take a different job and they move. And, and then they say, I'm going to move to that place for this job. And then I'm going to look for a church. He said, what I'm praying for is that God would turn that. And where people would say, you know what, I'm going to move to be a part of that church, that local congregation. I want to be a part of that. And then I'm going to look for a job. And I can't believe how many times I've been hearing that. And I think, man, that, that's a prayer that he's prayed for literally over a decade. And now we're continuing to see that. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard that over the last couple of years, I'd have at least 20 bucks. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but to me, I'm like, that's amazing. I could take like two or three people out for ice cream. It depends what you get. But what do we do? When life is confusing, what do we do when circumstances are tough? What do we do when things aren't adding up? What do we do when we feel like giving up? The clarity in this text tells us we're to praise God. Even when we don't want to, yup, even when we don't want to, we're to praise God. And when we do that, we experience his power. I think of how not only do we see the evidence of this when people are moving to the area, but we see the evidence of this every time someone signs up to serve. Every time somebody gets involved in a hope group, whether they're leading one or getting involved in one. I see the evidence of this every time someone makes a commitment to financially give and invest into what's happening here. Over the last several weeks, our 16-year-old has been working and of course, she's tithing. That's what we believe as a family that the Bible teaches. And just this last week, I said, you know, isn't it amazing how as you've been faithful to tithe, you continue to get opportunities to take on more shifts? She wasn't scheduled, but they continue to call her and ask her if she's willing to take on another shift. And she's like, yeah, that's really cool. I said, that's what happens when we're faithful with the opportunities that God gives us. When we do that, when we thank him no matter what, when we praise him regardless, he continues to bring things into alignment. And the result of that is there is a conviction that's being built up in our lives. There is a conviction that God is who he says he is, that God is worthy to be praised, 
That conviction continues to be built. And here's what's so important. This isn't just an, an emotion. It isn't just an experience. When God develops conviction within our hearts and our lives, it changes forever what we believe. The psalmist goes on to develop what this conviction looks like. He says this in verse 5. Blessed is he or she whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. God, who made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. God, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. You can feel the emotion as the psalmist is writing. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. I circled this next phrase. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But listen, the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. There is a day of reckoning always. Verse 10, the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. And he, he ends the psalm the same way he begins it. Praise the Lord. We see the conviction though. As, as the psalmist has lived life, as they've experienced the mountaintop experiences of God, everything is going perfect and they've walked through the valleys of what could possibly happen next. There's conviction that's being built. This doesn't happen overnight. And truthfully, one of the things that breaks my heart is so often people get involved in a congregation. They get involved in seeking God and knowing God, but they don't stay with it long enough to experience and develop conviction that this is what's right. This is what I need to do. This is the, the way that God has literally designed me is to praise him, to thank him. Because when we do that long enough, that conviction takes root. It, it continues to, to drive the truths of scripture home within us. And there's a depth to that conviction that goes far beyond feelings and emotions. It, it reaches the core of who we are. The psalmist, as they write this, and I'm going to read some of the things that, that they wrote in just a minute, but I want you to, to feel, maybe, maybe that's not the right word, I want you to grasp the truth of these phrases as, as I reread them. God keeps faith forever. That takes conviction. He executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. He sets the prisoner free. Do you feel the conviction in that? He opens the eyes of the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down. He loves the righteous. God upholds the widows and the fatherless. You see, the longer that we walk with God, the deeper these convictions become. One of the things that I've thought about doing for years, and I've never done it until this morning, is I've thought about taking a picture of one of the texts that I'm going to teach. And this last week, I went back to one of my old Bibles. It's a Bible that I've used up until about five years ago when I started using my new devotional Bible. And I thought, I'm going to go back to that, that section, Psalm 146, and I'm going to take a picture of it. And, and I, I want to just share with you some of the things from, from my heart. As I, as I think about 
this section of scripture, the one that I just got done processing through with you, I look back at some of those dates and I remember some of these very vividly. I remember September 24th. It was just days after we moved into our new home. We, we began serving here in March of 2014. We didn't find a house and move into it until September. I remember sitting in the living room. I remember reading this section of scripture and I remember dating it. I remember November 26, 2016. That was a presidential election year. Those are really fun for pastors, by the way. I, I, I'm looking forward to next year already. I can't wait to hear everybody give me their input on who we should vote for and the reasons I should preach about it. I'm, I'm not really looking forward to that. That was facetious. I should not do that. I'm here to praise God with you this morning. But I remember reading that text. I remember being reminded, we need to trust God no matter what. No matter who's in office or who's not. We need to trust God. But I remember September 26th of 2018 too. And I remember thinking at this point, I was only 10 months into my then new role as the associate pastor and things were changing. There was, there was some good things that were happening and there were some hard things that were happening. And I remember feeling the, the weight of some of the leadership in a different way. I remember thinking about some of the, the difficulty and I, I'll never forget one time I got pulled out of an uh, elder meeting to handle a dispute. People were arguing and fighting. It was, it was a mess. And I don't say that to to bring us down. But I remember thinking, God, this is hard. This is hard. It's the same thing so many of us think in marriage. When our marriages are hard, when our kids aren't behaving, when work is tough. I remember thinking, this is so difficult. And as I read Psalm 146 that particular morning, I remember being encouraged to trust God because in God, he is our Hope. Remember underlining and boxing it. Here's the deal. The, the longer that we follow Jesus, the longer we follow him, the deeper that conviction is driven home that we can praise him and we experience the power of being able to praise God. The Bible tells us here, and I underlined and circled that phrase, the Lord loves the righteous. Who are the righteous? Who are they? They're the people who are marked by loyalty to God. They're not perfect people. They're people that have been marked by the loyalty to him. You see, the, the Bible constantly is reminding us that God loves his people. We're constantly being encouraged to renew our love and commitment toward God. The most important reason that we will ever have to be able to praise God, the most important reason is because he loves us. God loves you. God loves you. He's worthy of praise because he loves you. Not only did God demonstrate that while we were sinners, but God demonstrates that love for us every single day because we continue to struggle with sin. God loves us. We love others because he first loved us. It's the power of praise that allows us to grasp this love of God. It's the power of praise that allows us to experience the depth of God's love as we praise him. When we fail, we can praise him. When we're being crushed by the weight of our guilt, we can praise him. 
when we're constantly burdened by the past mistakes and the the shame and the guilt of things that we've done in the past, we can praise God. We can praise him, and as we do, he continues to affirm that conviction. We desperately at times, we desperately need a fresh start. And it begins by praising him. It may not change the circumstances, but it does change how we view those circumstances. When we choose to praise him, it begins with a commitment, it leads us to clarity, and it deepens our conviction. This psalm invites us to know the power of God. This psalm invites us to know the power of God. And I was thinking this morning, that's what I want to pray for, is that we would be people who are committed to praising God. That happens individually, just as the psalmist wrote, I will. And maybe that's you this morning, saying, I will praise God. Regardless of whatever else is hindering me or the circumstances or whatever the situation, I will praise God. And if that's you, I'm going to lead us in a prayer in just a minute. But maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, I want to praise him. I really do. But this last month, this last year, this last couple of years, I just feel so worn out. I just feel so exhausted. So I want to praise him, but I'm wrestling up against the the weight of everything I'm feeling. And I want to tell you this morning, I'm going to invite you to let that go in order to praise him. I want to invite you to pray this morning when we pray with your hands open, that you would be able to release control, that you'd be able to release anger, bitterness, frustration, that we would release it so that we can praise him. And maybe some of you, for the very first time, are at a spot in your life where you're saying, I know that I want to praise him, but I have to first surrender to him. And you can do that today too. You can surrender your life to Christ, but whatever God leads you to pray this morning, I wanna invite you to pray with me. God, thank you for being a, a loving Father in heaven who is worthy of all of our praise. You, God, are worthy of our affection. And we pray this morning that you would renew our desire to praise you today and thank you that you would build within us the commitment and clarity and conviction that we need. For those who are wrestling through that, just feeling heavy, God, would you meet them in this place as well? Help them to release whatever it is that they need to release to trust you so that they can be freed up to praise you in every way in every capacity. And for those who have never made a personal decision to trust you, Jesus, in this moment, maybe even as their heart is pounding, as your Holy Spirit is prompting them to surrender their heart to you, that they would pray something like this, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I know that you are the Son of God. I know that you, Jesus, died on the cross for my sins. And I want to ask that you'd please forgive me of my sins, cleanse my heart and my mind, 
I want to receive you as my personal Savior, and I want to follow you as my Lord. And together, collectively, God, we, we pray that we would be people who praise you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Hey, I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. I just have a couple of announcements I want to highlight. First of all, next Sunday, we'll, we will conclude our series in the book of Psalms for the summer. We'll be looking at our ninth Psalm this summer. And some of you I know like to read ahead. We're going to be in Psalm 40 next Sunday. So if you want to read in advance, that would be fantastic. I'd love for you to be able to do that. Also, next Sunday is our fifth Sunday of the month. And each fifth Sunday of the month, we've been focusing on a portion of our service being a family worship service. All of uh, the service involves our families. We do have Hope Kids available for those who are birth to five years old, but above five, we're gonna invite you into the service. If that's hard for you with your kids, we do have some live stream areas. Also in the back, Every single week, we do have some little bulletins with some colors or, you know, crayons and a little sheet that they can color. Maybe some of you will pick those up for your kids or your husbands next week, whatever you need to do. They are available. The last thing is, in two weeks, we are going to begin a series with, it's called Burning Questions. We are regularly asked questions about what does it mean to take communion together, baptism, what does it mean to fear God? How do we know the truth? And is it true that a person, when they receive Christ, is always saved? Those are the five topics that we're going to handle beginning in August, the next five weeks going into the first part of September. We're really looking forward to that. I want to invite you to pray for us as we continue to prep for that series. But as always, it's a joy to worship with you. We're looking forward to next week in Psalm 40. Have a fantastic week. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Previous messages of our Acts series can be found at hccalive.com. If you would like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give at hccalive.com as well. Don't forget to subscribe, and may we continue to love like Jesus.